You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now that we're a couple of weeks in the season, a win and a loss, it's a good time to check in on some of our biggest concerns about this Bears team entering the season and kind of get a sense of where they've made progress and still where work needs to be done. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. You can join the Locked On Bears Facebook group, and make sure that you click that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, a progress report. We start with the offensive line. It was a big concern heading into last week against the Rams. Seemed to be less of a concern against the Bengals, but still some up and down, I think, in both games and in both directions for this group up front. We'll hear from left tackle Jason Peter on some Jason Peters on some of the progress there in terms of chemistry and what they're sort of seeing up front. Then we'll check in on this young Bears secondary. It was a problem against the Rams. It was less of a problem against the Bengals, but perhaps a lesser opponent in there as well. So we'll see what's going on in the slot, how we're thinking, how we're feeling with Kendall Vildor on the outside and these veteran safeties that had a rough week one and maybe bounced back a bit against the Bengals. Then we'll wrap up with one that maybe we didn't know was going to be a problem entering the season, but has been so far, penalties. We'll hear from head coach Matt Nagy about Justin Fields and the false starts with that and how the team is sort of responding to taunting as well because that's another issue we're going to have to get in here that I think is going to follow this Bears team and really the, the whole NFL for a lot of this season as the NFL itself tries to figure out what exactly the plan is and how they want to enforce those without completely taking all the fun out of the game either. But Let's start with this Bears offensive line because it was pretty much at least offensive concern Number one, Jason Peters comes in late. Jermaine Effetti was injured for a lot of the preseason, and you thought you know, at least the interior guys would be the ones that you could feel like you could rely on. And, you know, I guess when you face Aaron Donald in week one, we kind of should have expected that the interior guys would have more of the issues, and, and they did, but it wasn't as though Donald and company completely blew up the Bears' entire game plan. He was a problem. He caused them problems, but it didn't prevent Andy Dalton from truly being able to do some of the things that he wanted to do. And same with David Montgomery in the running game. The Bears were still able to run the ball well, really, I think, in both contests. And and that does deserve some of the credit up front on the offensive line. But we kind of maybe underestimated or tried not to underestimate the interior of the Bengals' defensive line because they really gave this Bears' interior some additional issues in the second week that we thought it would be an easier go for them. And and I thought Sam Mustafer had some issues again. James Daniels struggled again. Even Cody Whitehair at times still kind of finding his rhythm and his space. And some of this can be a chemistry thing, right? We have the new left tackle trying to get used to the left guard next to him. And even Sam Mustafer last year wasn't your week one starter. They kind of built up to that as they got Cody Whitehair back to left guard. So everyone's still sort of on the same or trying to get on the same page. And that's where I think the issues against the Bengals stood out for me, especially in the running game. There were too many times where, you know, they're trying to run zone, say, to the right. And there's a guy kind of in front of James Daniels, but also sort of in between him and Sam Mustafer. And, you know, they'll go for the block. And Daniels is supposed to, like, kind of help and have Mustafer kind of pick him up. But either 
Daniels doesn't help enough or Mustafa is not able to get there and there's too much penetration. It's like it's little things where it's not even like verbal communication. It's just sort of getting a feel for the guy next to you and knowing, okay, how much space do I need to give him here? How much help do I need to give him there? And, of course, the opponent that you're going against on any given play will definitely play a factor in that. But it, it was just a little bit surprising to see more of that on the interior as opposed to being with the offensive tackles. Because I do think the tackles themselves have played pretty well these first couple of games. I mean, all things considered where Peters is coming from, but Peters obviously a high-quality tackle in his day too. And then Fetty has a... Played well last year's, but had a track record before that of some struggling. They've been fine, I think, in pass protection, both of them. I think one of the things that the veteran Jason Peters had pointed out when he was speaking with the media yesterday was just, uh, I think, a good illustration of this idea of getting to know the guys next to you. And it can be kind of complicated minutia for offensive line play, but I think Peters did a good job sort of breaking it down in a more understandable way. Impressions of Cody Whitehair so far working next to him. A great guy, a hard worker. Very smart. He always uh, in the right position with his with his footwork. And uh, I felt a couple times in the L.A. game, you know, just trying to get in sync with him, you know, because, you know, with him, he, he, he likes to kick out his left leg deep to, to stay square. So, you know, I'm used to the guys reverse staggering and stuff. So I'm just getting used to playing beside him with his footwork. But he, he, he's a great uh, wing guy. So – it's, it's just a little thing about sort of how Cody Whitehair prefers to step up and sort of anchor is sort of the, you know, he goes a little wider to get lower and to anchor a, on a bull rush. And maybe part of, part of the undertone there is that Whitehair shouldn't be getting pushed back that much to potentially disrupt Peters in terms of being able to anchor in that way. And I think that's sort of where I come away is that they, the Bears have played two really good interior defensive lines to start the season. Aaron Donald by himself, honestly, obviously at a different level than the Bengals, but the Bengals front played really well against the Vikings the week before, and, and they're big, strong men. We heard that from Jake Lisko and James Rapine from Lockdown Bengals on the Crossover Thursday podcast before this last game. We knew that was going to be a factor there. So, yes, the Bears' interior offensive line needs to play better, but they've also played against two of the better opposing interior defensive lines that they're going to face. So it shouldn't it shouldn't always be that hard for them, but I do think they also do need to step up in addition to just you know, more of the same from the offensive tackles. And I think Big Key has just been able to stay healthy for the most part so far. You know, Peters left week one, and then Larry Borum left and is on injured reserve from week one, but the whole group got through week two against the Bengals, and fingers crossed that that can keep rolling because light at the end of the tunnel here, some point Tevin Jenkins is supposed to come back later this season, and that should provide some boost to the offensive line somewhere. It's just a matter of, I guess, where? Do they put him at right tackle and leave Jason Peters at left tackle? I don't think you're going to bench Jason Peters, but you're, are you going to put your rookie first-round pick uh, on, on the bench, or do you just leave him on injured reserve and have him miss the whole season? There should be some value to getting him back. There's definitely more to come on this Bears offensive line as we get through the season. A little bit later on, I'm sure we'll check in and swing over back to them you know, three, four, five, six more weeks down in the season. But I, I want to also turn to, I think, the other big position group that we had circled entering this year, the secondary. A lot of changes at cornerback. Not really sure how that was going to go. It's been somewhat as expected up to this point, but I think there's some room for improvement there, and there have been changes already. We'll check in on the Duke Shelley versus Marquis Christian in the slot, how Kendall Vildor is doing, and the veteran safeties on the back end next on Locked On Bears. 
We'll see if the confidence starts to increase in this Bears defense after all the turnovers last week and how that affects the betting line over at betonline.ag. The number one place we recommend for all your sports betting needs, whether it's pro or college football, plus soccer, hockey, tennis, baseball, you name it, they've got it at betonline.ag. I had some money down on week one against the Bears and the Rams. I thought it would go under. The scoring ended up going a little bit higher in that one than I think we anticipated, but still some fun games, and I think it really does, for me, add a little more excitement to each of these contests when, you know, you got a little bit of cash on the wager as well to just make it matter a little bit more. Right now, the Bears are seven-point underdogs on the road against the Cleveland Browns. Maybe if the, a, a starting quarterback is declared for Justin Fields at some point, maybe that line will shift here and there, but of course... The place you got to go is betonline.ag. And when you sign up, don't forget to enter our promo code NFL100 because that's going to double your initial deposit when you sign up. They will match whatever you deposit when you sign up to give you double the money to play with at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Listen up, Bears fans. I want to tell you about an incredible app for everyone who buys gasoline for any vehicle that you buy. It's something I really think you need to know about. It's called Get Upside. Lockdown Bears listeners can make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. You just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use our promo code TOUCHDOWN and you'll get an additional bonus, 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents per gallon cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore, especially as gas prices keep going up, you, as you depending on how much you fill up, some drivers who drive a lot can make up as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back using Get Upside. And there's no catch; the cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime; it'll go right into your bank account. You can have it go through PayPal. You can even get e-gift cards for Amazon or whatever's going to be most convenient for you. Just download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code Touchdown to score up to 50 cents per gallon back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN with the app GetUpside. Bears obviously looking for some upside from their young secondary on the back end here. And we kind of knew when you go young at that position, there's going to be some potential growing pains. We knew it wasn't going to be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows with that group. Obviously, first and foremost, Jalen Johnson has been incredible, phenomenal, everything we expected and more from him in his second season. I believe Pro Football Focus has him as the highest graded cornerback in single coverage this season. He's got the interception. He's got some pass breakups. He's been very good in run defense, too. I mean, just stepping up and being physical, making tough tackles and not letting guys get by him, not letting blockers push him out of play, out of place. And I think it's been a really big part of bringing some of that energy back to the secondary, you know, and the turnovers in general, obviously. But I think Jalen Johnson is sort of stepping into that alpha dog type role where I think the rest of the NFL is really going to start to pay a little bit more attention to him. And he's going to become not a household name right away, but a guy that gets recognized more and more in the, the national media and those kind of circles as a cornerback you don't want to throw at because that's really been the experience for two straight weeks to start the season and part of what we were seeing flashes of last season. But I think it, it's indicative, especially against the Bengals, how we saw that energy 
kind of radiate through. And I know we're, we're focusing on the secondary here, but I, I thought defensive lineman Bilal Nichols had some really good thoughts on how that energy sort of came and how they looked at last week, or I guess two weeks ago now against the Rams, and really internalized some of the way that game left them feeling particularly angry going into the Bengals game. And that's a specific emotion here that, that stands out for this defense. Oh, yeah, extremely angry. Um, you know, uh, we all took it personal. Uh, just because of the simple fact that, uh, you know, we know we could be better. We know what we put out there wasn't Chicago Bears football, you know, and, and it bothered us. And, uh, you know, we made it an emphasis on last week to come in, get better, and get back to swarming and get back to doing what we do. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we did that on Sunday. Right? Not, not frustrated, not disappointed, angry. And I think there's a certain motivation there. That and, and response that comes from anger when those guys are just, they're playing a little bit harder, they're bringing a little bit more of that energy. It hits them a little bit more deeply in their core when, they, when they've had bad performances like that. And I think that's where you see some of the effect in the front seven in particular with the pass rush getting home, although the Bengals' offensive line was really struggling this game. But then Roquan Smith sniffing out the pick six, Angelo Blackson coming down with a pick on the tip pass from Alec Ogletree, right? I mean, those guys were flying around. And I think that, you know, the secondary also was trying to fly around to the ball. It just it wasn't as natural for them, especially, I think, Duke Shelley in the slot and, to a lesser extent, Kendall Vildor at the outside cornerback. Because I think there's this slot position is still number one concern on the defense right now. They don't have an answer between either of their two slot guys, uh, uh, Shelley and then Marquis Christian, who started against the Rams. Christian had some real struggles there, and they benched him for Shelley in this game, and Shelley was targeted eight times. Gave up seven catches for 86 yards, four of those going for first down. So they were, going back through the All-22 tape yesterday, there were more opportunities there where, where receivers were open. And it's just a natural feel thing for Shelley where when guys run crisp routes, he, he takes an extra step here or there and he's not as fast reacting. He doesn't, he's not anticipating where the routes are going to go and not always having the best feel for where his teammates are in coverage. You know, like if he locks on, you know, press kind of man across the field with someone, he seems to be able to hold up. But, you know, when he's in the slot in sort of off coverage and the receiver's coming at him and has a two-way go, he really struggles with being able to break on that effectively and, and knowing when to sell out on it and when to be careful for a double move or when to be careful for someone going over the top. And it just doesn't feel like the kind of thing that is going to just click all of a sudden for him from one week to the other, right? It's going to take some time and there's going to be some real growing pains. And I don't know that the Bears are in a position to let those happen on the field at this point. But then do you go back to Mark Reed Christian who struggled against the Rams? You don't really have a good option there unless, you know, you move Kendall Vildor back into the slot and bring Artie Burns off the bench. I mean, it's, it's a possibility at this point. Vildor has not been solid at the outside cornerback spot this past game. He only gave up three catches on five targets, wasn't targeted as much, but they went for 56 yards, so that's almost 20 yards of completion on those three catches, if my simple math tells me anything. Uh, two of them were first downs, and the other one was a touchdown. The touchdown, he kind of slipped in the end zone, but it was a kind of a push. I mean, I don't know if that was terrible coverage, but you can't have that play happen. He also had a, a drop against him that would have been another completion on the 4 or 5, and then the only incompletion really against him that wasn't dropped was the pass breakup where Maybe he got away with pass interference. That one, he was all over and physical and able to attack. And those are the kind of flashes you're looking for from your young cornerback. And maybe that's where you're, you know, you're able to step off for a second and say, okay, well, maybe there's enough there to keep him out there and keep developing there. That there's, there's, that's a sign of progress, I guess. But if you could improve the slot by moving him there 
and still keep the outside consistent enough with Artie Burns? That's a that's a question mark. But could, you could potentially improve a position that way. But I'm I'm hesitant to make that change three games in the season when Vildor has been practicing purely on the outside and playing purely on the outside every snap up to this point. So there's not really a a clear solution there. It's a hope that the turnovers will make up for the mistakes, that the younger players will learn quickly as the season goes on, and that maybe you know aggressive front seven play, the pass rush, the run stopping can be enough again to, to kind of cover up where you're just you're going to have some deficiency there, and it's a matter of can you live with it and can you make up for it in other areas. And against the Bengals, they absolutely could. Against the Rams, not so much. But you had the coverage busts from the safeties in that regard. They got better against the Bengals, although I I hated the angle Eddie Jackson took on the big touchdown. I think it was Jamar Chase, the deep post route where he overran the the route and basically ran into his cornerback and let the wide receiver run by free. It was just just coming to hit a lick on the wide receiver, just ring his bell. I mean, you don't want to get the penalty, but there's a way to do that, right? Just come in and make the contact, and Jackson seemed a little bit shying away from the contact there, and it's been, that's been too much of a theme throughout the recent years of Jackson. And I'm still keeping an eye on, still raising an eyebrow. You like the forced fumble, but it's not not all sins have been forgiven just yet from Eddie Jackson in this Bears secondary. And Tashawn Gibson had a couple of missed tackles of his own, and then the taunting penalty was really, I think I think that was the the first one of the of many in that game. Penalties not causing enough problem to lose for the Bears, but definitely an issue in this one. Some some are bigger deals than others, some are more correctable than others, and some are more ridiculous than others. We'll go back through these Bears penalties. We'll hear Matt Nagy's thoughts on how the team handled it and what he's expecting in terms of discipline moving forward next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, plus you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your brother's friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to let you know about a simple way to get all that entertainment you crave without the hassle. It's really a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings you all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. You're not locked into anything. So to get, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Speaking of packages, I just placed an order for another box of Built Bars because this week they've got a limited time flavor back. It is the best Built Bar flavor, and it's not around often enough. Cookie dough chunk. regular built, Just like the regular Built Bars, covered in 100% real chocolate, but it has actual pieces of cookie dough on top. I guess it's under the chocolate covering, but it's a top layer of actual cookie dough in the Built Bar, but somehow, some way, the scientists they have over there at the Built Bar factory still keep it down. I think it's six grams of sugar, only 150 calories, but still loaded up with, I think, 16 grams of protein off the top of my head. You cannot find another protein bar product that tastes this good with actual cookie dough in it. I mean, it's, it's to die for, but that low in sugar, that low in calories, and still be high protein and high fiber. It's an incredible product. I, they announced it like late last night. They were going to bring them back, and I had to buy a box 
right away. It did not take long to get the credit card out and place that order. And when I placed my order, I used the promo code LOCKED15, and I got 15% off my order. And, and my order come with free shipping, too. I don't know if that's for everybody or if it's just based on where I'm located in proximity to them, but I'm not paying extra shipping on any of those purchases either. So head on over to Built.com. Check out the limited flavor cookie dough ch- chunk built bars and enter that promo code L O C K E D 1 5 locked 15 for 15% off your order at built.com. Felt like the Bears lost something like 15%, uh, just based purely on penalty yards last week against the Bengals. It, the total eight penalties for 70 yards. I didn't do the math on what percentage of their offense or, or you know, gained yards ended up being lost then with 70 penalty yards, but it was an issue. And maybe against a team better than the Cincinnati Bengals, it could be enough to, I don't know, I don't want to say cost them the win per se, but I mean, it, they certainly got them close and they had a, a number of different kind of drives, stall kind of throughout that game. And we saw, you know, they'd get down into the red zone and then a couple of false starts here and there that kind of backed things up for them. And then, you know, there was a, the taunting penalty from Tashawn Gibson that brought back some of the yards after his, after Eddie Jackson's forced fumble that also then um, was recovered by Tashawn Gibson, which led him to then do the taunting. And so, you know, maybe we'll get into the taunting penalty in a moment here, but I, I want to start with sort of the order of operations on some of those penalties. It was the Gibson taunting first, Jermaine Effetti false start, then wide receiver Marquise Goodwin was was flagged for a holding on the play where they dumped it off to David Montgomery. He broke the tackle and went for like 30 yards down the sideline. That holding brought back the missed tackle and the, the big yards after the catch that David Montgomery had. The same play, I believe, Andy Dalton was was hit for roughing the passer. So they could have chosen either that penalty or the yards. But regardless, it, it was only negated because the penalty was also on the Chicago Bears. And that hold doesn't count in the 8 for 70, but it was a big penalty in that game. You had James Daniels fight for holding a little after that. Uh, Mark, uh, Robert Quinn, unnecessary roughness. Given Joe Burrow a slight nudge at the sideline, Burrow kind of flopped and sold that one. I didn't, wasn't a big fan of that penalty. I'm not going to necessarily rail on Robert Quinn there, but you do also need to know better that you just don't even don't even come close to touching the quarterback when he's out of bounds on the sideline there. Then uh, Jermaine Effetti false start, back-to-back Justin Fields false starts. I mean, not back-to-back, but those were the back-to-back penalties, and they were very close to one after the other. And then uh, the offensive pass interference by Cole Komet that was, again, kind of kind of ticky-tacky there, right? So, like, I'm not going to get worked up about offensive pass interference. He, he gave him a slight shove when he was breaking on his route, but it wasn't, a, wasn't anything to, to, you know, write home about there. Unnecessary roughness from Quinn, same kind of thing. It does, not indicative of some greater issue, but two false starts on Jermaine Effetti and then the two on Justin Fields. Rookie quarterback, rookie mistakes, sure, but it is, it is something that cost them, you know, five yards each time. That's 20 yards and, and stalled a couple of drives there. And, and I think it's, it's, it's a coaching point for a rookie quarterback that Matt Nagy said he's, he's really going to kind of emphasize this week in, term of t- in terms of timing, cadence, and some of the checks they have built in in their offense. The, the guys aren't in yet this morning, but just from us talking as a staff, there's some, some communication that goes down um, with if the play clock's running down, we have a mechanism that we can use, and you got to be clear with that. We, we have uh, some different cadences. So we're going to get the guys together and just talk through that and, and figure out um, the whys behind all of that. But, again, that's some of that is part of the growing pains, right? And um, I think, you know, just talking to Justin last night and understanding that that, that is – 
that's a part of this, and there, there are growing pains, and he'll get better from it, and we all will. You know, we'll all get better. The O-line will, and that whole building that relationship. So I think the bigger point for me here with these eight penalties for 70 yards, you know, is this a sign of a sloppy, undisciplined team? I don't, I don't quite get that impression. That if when you kind of go back through and say, okay, you've got Tashawn Gibson taunting. Well, the Bengals got hit for taunting a couple times. Most teams in the NFL are dealing with this taunting issue that the rules, I don't know if the rules change, but they're enforcing it more. So you're allowed to celebrate with your teammates. You're not allowed to celebrate at an opponent. And it's lame, and it takes away some of the fun of the game. And I, I mean... We, no one cares if they're taunting, right? I mean, we, we kind of want to see some, to some extent, right? You don't want to start fights. You don't want them to, like, injure anybody or, you know, really be incredibly disrespectful. Like, there was a player, I don't remember which game, but a player got spit on. I think it was a Steelers player or a Raiders player. I think it was in that game, but I don't remember who spit on who. That, like, there's, there's a line there, right? Spitting on another player is it's just it's demeaning and, and disrespectful in that way. But flexing after you make a sack over a quarterback and getting 15 yards seems a little bit ridiculous, and I, I, I'm not a fan of how they're handling that. The game should be more fun than that. I understand respect or whatever, but it seems like a bunch of crotchety old men that want respect in their game when guys are hustling 100 miles an hour and having these mini car crashes everywhere on the field, especially when you're talking about this Bears defense that you want to have the energy back. I want them to taunt. I don't want them to get penalized for it, but I want them to have that energy and to be excited and to flex and to really carry that from play to play. And, and keep showing that on the field. So I don't see that as like a big undisciplined issue. The false starts. One of the Effetti false starts was when Justin Fields was calling out a blitz right before the play clock and got back under in the shotgun that was clapping for the ball and the ball was late on the snap, so Effetti moved. That was an undisciplined... I mean, that that's rookie quarterback offensive line timing that should improve over time. Same with the two Justin Fields false starts. You know, he's leaning back, waiting for the snap, and you're going to get flagged for that. It's a real penalty, but... It's not something that is like someone's being lazy, someone's not trying very hard, someone's not caring hard enough and just, you know, not communicating or whatever. It's just, it's something like exactly what Matt Nagy said. It'll, it'll get worked out with time and it's something they can just kind of keep improving from here. So not to erase those penalties, but those penalties aren't indicative of, of greater issues. And you take away those four or five of them for 20 plus yards and all of a sudden the penalties become less of a big factor. Then, if you sort of say that those are correctable and assume that they can and will be corrected moving forward, then you're talking, you know, four or five penalties for, you know, 40 or 50 yards. Or, and that's, that's bad, and you don't want any penalties, and you don't want to excuse any penalties, but they are part of the game. It's something that's going to happen to every team, and then all of a sudden it becomes less of a big deal at that point. So they still have to actually do it. They actually have to improve on those and stop making them again, but I'm not going to sound the alarm and panic after one game here with some really high penalty counts with injuries at quarterback and a rookie coming in and trying to figure out all that stuff and learning the new taunting rule and all that stuff. You don't want the James Daniels hold. You can't keep having holding penalties. That'll kill any team. Same with Marquise Goodwin's holding penalty on the, after the catch. Like those, those you can't have. Those are much more inexcusable, but I can, for now, live with a rookie quarterback making some false start mistakes. I can live with a veteran safety flagged for taunting when we're still kind of learning the rules. I can kind of live with Cole Komet's offensive pass interference push-off because I don't think it gets called every time. And I can sort of understand Robert Quinn's unnecessary roughness penalty as, again, being a little bit of a flop from Joe Burrow and, and something that he should know better than I, I. I go back and forth on how mad I get about that one. But 
We'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on these penalties moving forward next week against the Browns and beyond. And, of course, we'll check in on the secondary of the offensive line as well. So make sure you keep listening and subscribe to the Locked on Bears podcast wherever you get your podcasts, free and available on all platforms. That's going to be the best way to make sure you're keeping up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate everyone who's been following along on the YouTube channel as well. The likes, the comments, the conversations that come around the podcast really make it that much more enjoyable. It creates a little bit of a community around how this show goes. And I think more than anything else, it makes it that much easier for all of us to bear down.